Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 13. We are going to start with verse 24 in a moment. When I became a new Christian, when I decided uh, that I was going to live for God, um, one of the first questions I had, I wanted to make sure, is the Bible true? I mean, I could have been born a Buddhist or a Muslim. Uh, Yes? Okay, well, I hope we can answer that for you today. Hmm. Ah, oh, very good. That's good. Yeah. You can't see air, but it's there. I like that. Praise the Lord. So I, I and I would tell people, and what I found personally is I tested the Bible. I questioned things. I, I asked a lot of questions about my own beliefs, about what the Bible said, and, and I found it to be an impeccable source of truth. It lasted. It, it matches life. It fits. When the Bible says, you know, you're, if, if you do this, things will go well. If you do that, things will go badly for you. I found that to be true. When I did this, things went well. When I did that, that I wasn't supposed to, things did not go well. I found it to be true. But see, testing truth um, and finding find whether or not it's true only works if you have an honest heart. If, if you have ulterior motives, if you're trying to prove something, if you read the Bible just to prove something that you believe rather than being open to letting the Bible speak to you, then you're going to misconstrue it. You're going to mess it up. It's not going to work for you. But history, there's there's a number. I, I, I Off the top of my head, I thought of atheists, those who did not believe there was a God, but they looked into the Bible with an honest heart and they found out that it was true. C.S. Lewis is one of those. And then Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was, was an atheist and set about proving that Christianity was false because his wife had become a Christian and that really bothered him. And so he proved it and then... Is everything all right? 
You guys don't want to stay here? Oh, well, you have a spare stay at the house? Okay. We'll figure that's easy. We'll figure it out, okay? You only have one set of keys for the truck? Okay. Okay. We'll get we'll get that figured out easy, okay? Just now just relax. The devil they really can't distract you. I believe this message is important for you guys, all of you here. There's something of value to you, and the God's going, the devil's going to do everything he can to distract you. Yeah, these atheists, as I mentioned, Lee Strobel, and he he wanted to prove that the Bible. He actually didn't have an honest, dishonest heart. Then somehow he he had to be honest with himself and realize the Bible was in fact true. And then there's Rosaria Butterfield, who was an atheist, and and she read the Bible and and found it to be true. Right now, nowadays, in this what's called postmodern era, there is a uh, a lot of questions about whether or not we can actually know absolute truth or not. There's nothing. There's nothing for certain. They say, and what may be true for me may not be true for you, and it's all wishy-washy. That's actually not a new idea. Not a new concept. In fact, when Jesus talked to Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate actually asked Jesus a question. He said, what is truth? And that was 2,000 years ago. But here is truth. Today I'm going to proclaim to you truth. Verse 24 He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is, by the way, the church. That's us, Christ followers. That's the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens in Christ's kingdom. They can compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. Now, it wasn't just any weeds. It was a particular type of weed called a darnel, or King James calls it a tear. This particular weed looks just like wheat until it grows up, until it matures completely. So you can't tell. But they knew that this had happened, that the weeds were were sown among the wheat. And... uh, and they left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The, the landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? And he replied, an enemy did this. So do you want us to go and gather them up? The, the servants asked him. No, he said. When you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, 
I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles and burn them. Because at that point, when the harvest, then you can easily see what is a weed and what is really wheat. Tie them up in bundles and burn them and store the wheat in my barn. Jesus gave us parable. A parable is a story that Jesus told to teach a lesson about life. What was he trying to teach here? Well, the disciples weren't really clear. They heard him tell the parable. And then later, verse 36, he dismissed the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain the parable of the weeds in the field to us. And he replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus is sowing good seed in the field. The good seed are Christ followers. When someone gets saved, Jesus sows that person in their church, in their community. Verse 38, the field is the world. And, and the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is a devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So here's what we have. We have Christ sowing people who are legitimately trying to serve God, and the devil sows people that are just pretending to be a Christian. Did you know that? There's pretenders. You hear people complain about hypocrites? Oh, that church is... You know, I would go to church, but there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yeah. It's been that way from the beginning. There's lots of people who pretend to love Jesus. And that's what it's talking about, that reality that every church, every community, you have, uh, if everybody, you have 10 people raise their hand and say, yes, I'm a Christian, some of those are most likely going to be counterfeit Christians or fakes. Um. Verse 40, therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it, will be, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everyone, everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. So we're not expected to, to try to be detectives and seek out those who are just pretenders or those who are, we're not supposed to do that. We are supposed to protect ourselves from evil, from unbiblical thoughts. We're going to talk about that. Um, but we don't worry because God's going to take care of that. Those who are just faking, they're going to be found out at the end, at judgment. And the angels are going to gather all those who are just faking and send them to hell. This is what Jesus is teaching here. 
Anyone that causes sin or is a trap to somebody. If you have anybody in, in a church who pretending to be a Christian and they're encouraging people to do wrong, that's the kind of person that the devil that the devil has planted, and God's going to take care of later. If he also mentions the kind of people that are guilty of lawlessness, lawlessness is a disregard for the law. I know what the Bible says. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's lawlessness, and that's another description of someone who has been sown by the devil. And God's going to take care of. Verse 42, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. Christian writer Warren Wearsby once wrote that we should be, we must beware of Satan's counterfeits. He has counterfeit Christians who believe in a counterfeit gospel. He encourages counterfeit righteousness and even has a counterfeit church. At the end of the age, he will produce a counterfeit Christ. Our task is not to pull up these false, but plant the true. The devil? What do you mean? Oh yeah, Jesus talked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually show you. I'm gonna read the verses that talk about that. We must oppose Satan, expose his lies. That's, that's what's important. And I'm going to be doing that today. I'm going to expose some of the lies of counterfeit Christianity, fake Christianity. But we must also sow the word of God and bear fruit in the place where he has planted us. You see, Satan has counterfeit Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 says, on frequent journeys, this is Paul talking, he said, on frequent journeys I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. So the, from the beginning, actually, We've seen counterfeit Christianity. The Bible actually talks about one version of it, the ver- maybe the first. Eventually they're called, we call them Judaizers. They believe, oh yeah, you can become a Christian, but you still need to follow all the ceremonial law, all the Mosaic law. You still have to get circumcised. You still have to do this and do that. And, and, and they fought that. That was wrong. That was not what Jesus intended. And then there's Gnosticism. That was very early in the Christian church. Where they they believed, uh, they didn't focus at all on, 
on sin, but rather on special insight, some mysterious truth. That was what being a Christian was all about. And then there's antinomianism. Where you don't really need to follow any particular ethics. You can just, you can, you, know, so you, you can accept Christ, but you, know, you can just keep living the way you want it to live. You don't have to worry about sin because Jesus already paid the price, so you can sin as much as you want. We see some versions of that even today. Oh, actually, over the past 2,000 years, there have been dozens of versions of counterfeit Christianity. And one popular form right now is called progressive Christianity or progressive faith. Has anybody heard of that? Progressive Christianity is seen to be an involved version of Christianity. Oh, we're, we're more enlightened. Uh, Lisa Childers wrote a book on, called Another Gospel. I read that book this week, uh, and it's a fantastic book on bringing to light this counter, this fake form of Christianity. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, very much in common. They call it Christianity, but really it has more than common with New Age than it does the Bible. Both New Age and progressive Christianity believe that there's no need for forgiveness for sin. They believe that there's no such thing as absolute truth. They believe that you can, ex you can accept Jesus, but there's no need for an atonement. Jesus didn't need to die for your sins and didn't die. They tell didn't die for your sins. They believe, they both believe that in self-empowerment, where we look to ourselves for truth, for salvation, for happiness. We don't look to Jesus, we look to ourselves. And finally, they both believe, both New Age and progressive Christianity, believe in what's called universalism. Where all religions are going to get to heaven, doesn't matter what you believe. You don't need to believe in Jesus to be saved. There's somebody that believes that? Yes. Thousands of people. And they call themselves Christians, Marcus, just so you're aware. Absolutely. The virgin birth. To progressive Christians, doesn't matter. The resurrection probably happened, but you don't have to believe in it. The atonement, no. They believe the, that if Jesus had to die for our sins, then that makes God a child abuser. That's what these progressive Christians say. The Bible, they believe the Bible is strictly a man-made work. I believe that all children before they reach the age of accountability, it's doesn't. There's no hard. There's a moment in time where a child realizes they're a sinner and they need God, 
they also realize, you know, they know what's wrong and what's right. And it can be anywhere from age 10, 12, usually. They can, but here's what I believe about hell. I believe no one, the only people who go to hell are those who insist, I don't want to live for God. I want to live life my way. I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own God. People don't accidentally go to hell. Okay? It's not like, oops, you know, and, and they trip like tripping. It's all, all the point where they realize where the Holy Spirit begins working their heart. Yeah, and Marcos has been asking questions. We were going to talk about that this week. Uh, won't we? About being saved. Had to open a car. Yeah. Although they, uh, the progressive Christians don't have a unified creed, they do have uh, a common set of beliefs. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a different religion with another Jesus and another gospel. You need to be aware of that. There are people who call themselves Christians who don't believe in the same Jesus that you believe in. They believe, you know, one question, why did Jesus die? The Bible says Jesus died because he needed somebody, we needed uh, someone to pay a debt for us that we owed. The children's song that I sang when I was very, very young. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That is the gospel. That's a blessed atonement. That's a reality that Jesus laid down his life and gave himself. He didn't deserve it. He, he, he had never sinned. He never did any wrong. But he's, he substituted himself for us so we could be forgiven. And they've taken that away. They don't believe that. They believe that Jesus died not because we needed someone to save us from our sins, but because a bunch of evil people wanted him dead. That's their reasoning. Jesus was a nice guy, said a bunch of nice things, and people killed him. But that's not biblical. That's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. Progressive Christianity goes along with the postmodernist idea that absolute truth cannot be known. There's only my truth and your truth, which leads to what I mentioned before, universalism and, and all roads lead to Rome. Counterfeit Christians believe in a counterfeit gospel. 
Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, I'm sorry, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we said before, I will say again, if anyone is preaching you to a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. So the question you ask about somebody's belief is, what is the gospel? I just told you the gospel. The atonement, the fact that we needed someone to, to, to pay a debt for us. And Jesus laid down his life to do that. And because of his sacrifice, what he gave to us, we can be forgiven. But progressive Christians don't believe that. They believe that Jesus loved us and he was a great teacher. And he was killed by evil people and may or may not have risen from the dead. But you decide what you want your truth to be, and that's cool. Yes, they knew um, for thousands of years, the Old Testament, Jesus said Moses knew about me and was looking forward to it. They knew a, 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 a Messiah... They knew a Savior was coming. They didn't know how it was going to happen. But they knew. Um, and I, as I said before, you know, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, right? We, we read that together. And that was 700 years before Jesus. Satan encourages a counterfeit righteousness. Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. For most counterfeit or fake Christians, righteousness is good works. What I do to prove myself. I do all these good things and, and show God how much I deserve to be in heaven. And, and, and for and progressive Christians, it's all about social justice type stuff. Which there's nothing wrong with staying up for what is right. But when that's your method for earning your way to heaven, that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with going to church. Obviously, going to church is encouraged. But if you're just going to church just to check a box and try to gain some, some kudos from God, you're doing it wrong. Satan has even a uh, counterfeit church, as I mentioned earlier. 
and you were asking about Marcus, Re- Revelation 2.19 says, this is Jesus, I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And there's whole uh, forms uh, going strong, strong in, in, in various forms. I mentioned progressive Christianity, also Mormonism. Yes. I, I, I'm not sure what you're asking. If if the yeah people knew that that Jesus was was going to be coming, yeah they didn't believe in him though. Well, they had the the Pharisees had him crucified because they were afraid of him. Uh, but. He, Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay my life down. See, those men meant it for evil. Like, for instance, Joseph. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Okay. So there was this, this young man named Joseph that his dad really loved him. He had, uh, he had 11 other brothers. And his dad really loved Joseph. And, and made him a fancy coat. And his brothers hated him. They were so envious. And they... What's that? Oh, okay. Um, and they... Uh, they first beat him up. They were going to kill him. They beat him up and they threw him in a pit. Just to be mean. Um, and then a caravan came through and they decided to sell him as a slave. And so his, bro- his own brothers sold him into slavery. And so he went to, became a slave and went to Egypt. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and so he, his brothers, and, and years later, right, he became this powerful prince and his brothers showed up. No. Yeah. So his brothers showed up, and they uh, they he told them who he was, and they were scared. You're gonna kill us. We're dead. And uh, he said, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, because God used that." That evil person did something bad to somebody, and, and God used that to put him in a position of power to where he could save their lives later on because this huge famine came. And God gave him the answer on how to do that, and also the favor of the king, the Pharaoh, to allow him to do what needed to be done to save thousands of lives, including his own family. But he said, You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. 
That's Moses, a different person. Um, you're fine. It's all good. Yeah. We used to have a class on basic Bible stories. Yeah, I think you are. Um, and we'll talk more about that. That might be something you guys might be interested in. Um, so, I say that story of Joseph because let's go back to Jesus. You asked about, I think I'm in the bathroom. Uh, you asked about Jesus, right? <clears throat> about the men wanting to kill him. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Because he used that as an opportunity to, to, for Jesus to pay for our sins. Yes, when Jesus was first born. Yeah, Herod uh, uh, issued orders to, to kill because he was afraid that he had heard a king was being born. And so he was afraid. All right. Where were we, where were we at here? Counterfeit church. Uh, at the end of the age, he will produce a counterfeit Christ. We know about the Antichrist someday. A fake Christ will emerge. Going back to this parable, of, as I, I'm going to wrap things up now. We're about done. But going back to this parable of, of the wheat and the weeds of the wheat and tares, I want to remind you that our task is not to pull, uh, pull up the false. We don't try to find the false. Missy and I were just talking about that. We have somebody we've ministered to for years. Um. And we've just never figured out where they're at spiritually. That's none of you, by the way. Yes, Robert. We're not supposed to just accuse people and say, well, you're not a Christian. You're not following Christ. We can say, hey, you're doing X, Y, or Z, and the Bible says X, Y, and Z is wrong. And you're supposed to be a Christian. You might want to know this. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah, but you only do that with other Christ followers. I don't, I don't do that with sinners. Sinners don't care. I tell sinners about Jesus. I share the gospel with sinners. But I don't tell sinners, hey, you know, you're smoking, you shouldn't be smoking, or, you know, whatever it might be, right? You're cussing, you shouldn't be cussing. I don't bother with that because they don't care. It's the, Jesus called throwing pearls before swine. How much do pigs care about pearls? They don't, do they? And, and that's those who don't know Christ, don't care about Christ, there are certain things they don't care about. So with sinners, I don't, I don't share um, that, anything like that. Very good, Matthew 7, 6. Right. But if they're sincere Christ followers, I'll say, look, you, know, you, you have an attitude problem. You don't have an attitude problem. Yeah, I'll, 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 if, I, if I notice something, I will say, hey, hey, brother, hey, sister, um, you might want to know that what you're doing here is actually wrong. 
a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. It's necessary, obviously. Oh, okay. They go to church and invite them to church. Okay. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. Well, good. Well, let me finish this and then we'll talk about them, okay? So we're not detectives, but we are evangelists. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus. And we must oppose Satan and expose his lies. That's why I felt it was so important for me to cover some of this stuff with progressive Christianity because it is becoming more and more popular and it's not biblical at all. And it's destructive. Um, but we oppose that. It's up to us to be watchful and diligent and then compare every idea with the Word of God. What does the Bible say? And see if it lines up. Ask, you know, any, any group that, any book that you read, any preacher you listen to, anything you might be around, you need to ask yourself the question, these three questions. What do they think about the Bible? Remember I said progressive Christians think that it's just a man-made book. There's nothing special about it. Second question, what do they believe about hell and sin? Progressive Christians don't believe hell exists and believe sin is relative. And finally, number three, what do they think about Matthew chapter 16, verse 24? What does that say? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does that mean? Yes. Yep, surrender control of your life and be willing to suffer for Christ. We talked about being, if any Crosby's him, we say that today, near the cross, right? Yeah, give your life to him. Good or bad, Lord, I'm going to do what's right no matter what I feel like. I prayed that for years. God, help me to do what's right no matter what I feel like doing. Because I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like doing what's right. Sometimes I'm tempted to do what's wrong because it's the easy thing to do. Anybody? Am I the only one? Anybody else? Maybe I'm the only one. All right. Sorry, bud. I, I can't go back to that yet. It's okay. So 
So here's this. Jesus said, whoever wants to follow me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And the question, the third question was, what do they think about this verse? Matthew 16, 24. For a progressive Christian, it's always, with any fake Christianity, it's always Jesus plus something else. So yeah, progressive Christianity, yes, they accept Jesus, plus you have to be involved with some kind of social justice activity. I need to wrap this up. I'm just running along. Let me say this. A couple, couple more things. One, I found this very interesting. None of Have any of you heard of the guy by the name of Christopher Hitchens? Okay. He is one of the most prominent atheists out there. He's written a number of books. He, ha, he is very much against religion, or especially Christianity. Well, he was interviewed by a progressive Christian. And in an effort to qualify himself with Hitchens, he told, he told him that he didn't take the stories in the Scripture literally, and he rejected the atonement. And he's like, you know, talking to Mr. Hitchens, like, you know, your problem is more with what they would call fundamentalist Christianity. You know, people like us who take the Bible literally. Hitchens replied, I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah and that he rose again from the dead and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you're not in any meaningful sense a Christian. So an atheist, totally progressive Christian, but you're not actually a Christian. I find that fascinating. You say, well, Pastor Darrell, this seems like a lot of really outrageous stuff that these people believe that call themselves Christians but believe a lot of crazy stuff. How in the world does this happen? Well, they mold you. There's a grooming process. One, I, I noticed this. So three steps. One is certainty about any truth is discouraged and uncertainty is praised. So if you say, I know something, they're suspicious, and then they and then they get on you about it. But if you say, oh, "I don't really know if God exists," or "I don't know if the Bible is true," oh, brother, that's wonderful. That's you know, good good attitude, good thinking. There, they encourage that. The second is is any effort to use logic and reason to argue a point is considered a trigger. It's considered traumatic and even violence. How dare you! Tell me that the Bible's true. Oh, oh, I'm traumatized by that. And then finally, they start what's called deconstruction. They take every, you're encouraged to take every belief, every idea you have, and tear it apart to where you have nothing left. And then once they do that, then you have nothing else to believe. And so you just you work with any, anything you praise for. Oh, good job on that project or, or, or this project. 
but there's no relationship. There's no reliance on God. There's no reliance on Jesus. Be careful. I want you to ask you, so I talked before about these formalized, I'm going to close with this. These formalized, uh, fake Christianity. Ask yourself, am I an authentic Christian? What do I think about the Bible? Do I consider it true? The true word of God? Do I live like that? If you look red and everything, you're like, well, this must be true. Would my behavior change? If it, it, would it be different than it is now if I truly lived that every word here was true? What do I think about hell and sin? Do I treat it as if it were real? Do I take sin seriously? And finally, what do I think about Matthew 16, 24? If I'm following Christ, am I denying myself and taking up my cross and truly following him wherever he takes me? No matter what my friends think, what my family thinks, I don't care. I'm going to follow after Jesus no matter what. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be an example to my family, to my kids, to my spouse. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be Jesus to those around me. I want people to look at me and go, wow, I want to be like that guy. That woman. I want to be like her. I want to pray like her. is the way that leads to destruction and many who find it. There's this broad road, wide, highway-sized road that anybody can just easily get onto and it leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way, a narrow path that few find because it takes work and sacrifice to find. But that's the way that leads to heaven. Amen? Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page. So you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.